Hello, all you lovely traumatized humans. Um, today is Sunday, the 15th of October. Can you believe it's mid-October already? I can't believe how fast this year is flying by. Um, today, I'm talking about Kodiak. I tried to run Kodiak on Friday, and I really didn't want to write this blog or tell this story because it's not a success story, and I didn't finish Kodiak last year. I didn't end up finishing this year, um, but I think it's important to tell you why and also to... Uh, share stories that aren't successful. Like I do race a lot. And um, most of the time my races do go pretty well. And um, I think it's important to share about the ones that don't go well, um, because we can't always succeed. And sometimes I don't know, it's good to get used to failing. <laughs> so like I said, last year, I attempted to run Kodiak 100. I stopped at mile 56 last year, I had a long year of injuries last year. And um, short story short, I you know, kind of aggravated one of my injuries. And I was just like, I just cannot take more steps backward in healing this injury. Like I need to either stop and save myself or keep going and know that I'm going to have to spend months like recovering. So that's what happened last year. And because I had so many setbacks, I was kind of undertrained going into Kodiak last year. So this year, I really wanted to write a different story. I felt strong. I was well rested. I was well trained. I was really smart this year about my workouts and even smarter about my rest. And when I stood on the start line, there was no doubt in my mind that I would finish. I was so ready. <laughs> um, this year, Kodiak was a new UTMB race as well as a Western States qualifier. So the start line was packed. The energy was electric. I know enough to not get in over my head. So I started kind of steady and patient. Um, the first six miles or so, people were just jostling to get around other people. They were running hard downhill and running hard up. And I was like, man, somebody said to all these people that we have like 95 miles left. You know what I mean? Because I was just like, what's happening? Why is everyone sprinting? Um the front pack was well ahead of me, and I settled into a comfortable rhythm, one that I knew I could sustain. My my goal going into the race was just to feel good for the first 50 miles and then kind of see where I was at and push at night and hopefully, you know, overtake people while they were suffering. Normally, I'm a very strong uphill runner. Um, uphill is kind of my thing. But for some reason, the climbs on Friday were just leaving me really winded. And about 20 miles in, there's this big climb. Um and more than one group passed me going up. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I kind of assumed that the elevation was simply getting to me. I live at sea level, but train in the mountains all the time. And about a month ago, I did Mount Whitney, and I didn't even feel like I felt more winded in Big Bear at like 68,000, 6,800 feet than I did at Mount Whitney at like, you know, 13, 14,000 feet. So I just let myself climb steadily and decided I'd make up ground on the downhill sections. Um, after mile 29, there's a 10 mile stretch, mostly on fire roads. So as I climbed again, I found myself short of breath and I slowed down once again. Um, I made up ground on the downhill sections and uh, made sure to just like consistently eat and drink. Um, by the time I got to mile 39, I had drank two full liters of water and eaten over 400 calories. So I was kind of feeling good. I was starting to perk up. And at the mile 39 aid station, I left without my poles. Oh my God, this was so dumb. I left, got like a quarter mile away and was like, oh, where are my poles? Like they're not in my hands. And I had to turn around and go back, adding like a half a mile to my day. It was a very rookie mistake. Um, and I cursed myself as I saw another woman run by me. Now I would have to catch her, I thought, but I always kind of liked running from behind. And I was like, she's not moving that fast. I'm sure I can catch her again. I'm at the mile 47 aid station. A man was dropping out. He was like, oh, I never do this, um, but nothing is working today. And I sort of 
understood like his what he meant but I I also didn't have any words for him I was kind of just like yeah that sucks you know like but watching him stop made me really determined to keep going because I was like I don't want that feeling of stopping an aid station worker offered me bacon which I gratefully took I'm getting really tired of gels I told him I was just like so sick of my spring and so sick of like sweets um, and he was like, yeah, take some of these, you know, to go, like take some case, like he gave me a quesadilla and bacon. He put it in a little baggie for me. And then he said, do you have any crew waiting at the next aid station? And I said, yes, I would see Mike at the next aid station, grab some warm clothes, pick up my bright headlight, my Kagala and head into the darkness. The seven mile stretch from 47 to 54 should have been mostly runnable, but I was finding it increasingly difficult to breathe, like I was running uphill when I was actually running flat or down. About a mile away from the aid station, I pulled out a headlamp. A runner that I'd been chatting with earlier that day ran behind me because uh, he didn't have his light, <laughs> and we entered the aid station together. I didn't tell Mike how I was feeling because, like, what could he do? I thought maybe everything I'd been feeling all day would subside. I thought maybe I would be able to pick up my pace during the nighttime. My pacer was picking me up at mile 67. Yes. And I thought if I could just get to him, like the rest of the run would be easier. The next section was six and a half miles. And it took me literally like probably two hours. Like every breath I took was strained and I was wheezing. I stopped a dozen times to try to catch my breath and finally admitted to myself that something had to be wrong. I was moving slow and like straining for air. I texted Mike that I was having trouble breathing and he called me immediately and he could kind of hear me uh, straining for air and he notified the folks at the next aid station that I would like need a medic. I was really bewildered and annoyed. I was really annoyed. Like, why is this happening? You know, I trained hard all year. I never expected that my day would be derailed by my lungs. Like nothing like this had ever happened before. Like I had in the past, like moments of like wheezing or whatever, or like at the end of a run feeling kind of like short of breath or like whatever, but I had never experienced it to this degree before. So I slowly walked to the next aid station and I was like sitting down on rocks while, cause I was kind of getting dizzy too. So I would like sit down on rocks and just try to like collect myself and then keep going. It was also cold. So I didn't want to like sit down too long cause I would just didn't want to be fucking cold. <laughs> and other runners were passing me and they all inquired about my safety, but I just sort of waved, waved them on. Um, eventually, I did I finally saw the lights of the next aid station where Mike and my pacer, Brock, were waiting for me. Um, Brock is an EMT and so he had a pulse oximeter with him. I didn't know what it read, but he said it was very low. Uh, and later, Mike told me oxygen saturation uh, was 86% and I had to Google it to find out that it is in fact very low. Um, that could be wrong uh, because, you know, I, my hands were cold and stuff. But I sat in the tent with a medic for a while, but there's really nothing anyone could do to help. And I knew my race was over. I wasn't disappointed in myself so much as I was just really confused. Like, I didn't know what just happened. I didn't know why. Uh, it was really frustrating because I came into that race just so ready and feeling good and feeling strong. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we just, we just left. I just went back to the hotel and that night I took a hot shower. I couldn't eat anything. I just tossed and turned all night. I was wheezing and coughing my way through my sleep. Um, and so the next morning we drove home and I spent the whole day on the couch, just kind of like resting and reading and napping and cuddling my cat, who's very annoying. I scheduled um, a virtual visit with my doctor's office and explained what happened. Um, and he just said it sounded like bronchial constriction. We kind of just talked about it. He, he thought I was like running a 10K. <laughs> and I was like, no, I was running, trying to run 100 miles. And he was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, because exercise induced uh, bronchial spasm um, commonly occurs among 
people that are doing like long endurance things in cold or dry weather. Um, check, check, check. <laughs> it was dry up in Big Bear. It was cold. And um, he said that, you know, dust or pollen can make it worse or chemicals like chlorine, if you were inside or something, could make it worse as well. But I told him like I didn't have asthma. I've never experienced this before. And he told me that's actually very common for um, athletes to experience the bronchial spas- spasm, but not have asthma. And your symptoms, he said, would also like stop once you stop trying to like run. You know, like he's like, you know, rest for a little bit and it would probably go away, but it's dangerous to keep going. So <clears throat> I was like, well, what can I do if this happens again? And he basically just said, you just need some al- albuterol, albuterol um, which is just an inhaler. And he gave me a prescription on the spot. So now um, I thought, well, first I thought that, wow, that's too easy. Like maybe it shouldn't be that easy to get a prescription, but it is, you know, an inhaler. So it's not like crazy. It's like an opioid or something. But then I was like, it's probably that easy to get an opioid. But anyway, now I have an inhaler that I can use if I ever need it. I'm not like naive enough to think that that could never happen again uh, or proud enough to think that I could have muscled my way through it. I definitely know that um, I couldn't have muscled my way through that one. Low oxygen saturation is apparently very bad and also apparently fixable. So um, I guess if this is something that you've ever uh, experienced, I'd be curious to know. And I would also, uh, I guess I'm, I'm curious to see if anyone else has because um, it was just really bizarre for me. It was really unexpected. I'm not disappointed in dropping out, nor am I angry about what happened. I'm a little annoyed that I have to go back next year <laughs> to finally finish this goddamn race. Like, I know the first half of this course so well at this point. Um, but, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, and the the best laid plans are apt to be broken. And um, I know that I was ready for this race. It just, you know, that's something, like I said, you can't really muscle through. It, there's There wasn't a quick solution for me. Really, the only solution was to have um, an inhaler or to stop. So anyway, actually, next year's race registration is already open for Kodiak. It'll be October 11th through the 13th in Big Bear. It's one of my favorite races. It really is, <laughs> despite all my trouble with it. Um, so I'd love to see anybody up there. Uh, that's all for today. Bye.